knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner. Going, He's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned, there's not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I am Colleen Sharp and Angela Whitehorn is my co-host. And I am so excited tonight because we have actually a very good friend of mine on to discuss singleness with us. And it is Jean Keeley. And you'll probably think, Jean Keeley, I've never heard of her, but she is a good friend of mine, as I said, she's my traveling companion because we <laughs> took a trip once to a conference. And the only time I've done that in my married life, uh, mm-hmm. where I got on a plane and we stayed in a, a suite on, in the ocean, uh, on the ocean, not yes. in the ocean, <laughs> yep. in, in San, Di- San Diego and went to a conference together. And there was the, um, were those seals, I think, yep. that we would hear at night. And um, so I think of her as my traveling companion also, but we've had so many requests to talk about singleness and Jean, I'll just say she's um, a little older than me and she is single. So I have talked to her so much about it and I know she has a lot of wisdom on the subject and I know we have gals even in their twenties that are struggling with with being single, I think sometimes in the church, you see all your buddies are getting married at, at 21, 22, 23, and you hit an age and think, well, why am I not married yet? And so I think this really is going out to people that are closer to Jean's age and then people that are a lot younger. But before we get started, uh, Jean, I would love for you to share kind of your testimony and how you came to Christ, because you are one that did not grow up in the church and came to Christ later. And um, and so if you would, wouldn't mind sharing that and just a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Colleen. It's fun to be on here. This is my first time ever being on a podcast, so I'm genuinely excited. Um, you are right. I did not grow up in the church as in a gospel preaching church. Um, I did grow up in a religious tradition. Um, I I shall leave it nameless, but let's just say it sparked an entire reformation, but I'm Dutch. (laughs) So um, that was my, I, I grew up in a religion and I even went to a religious school So, I mean, I was taught about Jesus, um, basic 
timeline of his life, you know, the basic uh, tenets, um, virgin birth, you know, did a lot of miracles, died on a cross, rose again, and all that, that was taught to me. Um, you know how Ephesians 2 talks about you're dead in, you know, we are dead in sin. And I, I really was because I just could have cared less about any of it. I wasn't hostile um, or anything, but I was just mm, shrug, ho-hum. And so when I graduated from high school, I just didn't want to be disingenuous. And I quit participating in the tradition that my parents brought me up in. And um, for about eight years, just, you know, was living life and you know, got a good job and got to travel a lot and all that stuff. And um, anyway, <clears throat> after about eight years, there was a whole a number of circumstances that I won't get into uh, way too many details, but just, you know, God draws us and you can look back and see, oh, wow, God was drawing me that whole time, you know, but in the, in the time you don't know it. So there's just lots and lots of details, but there were things that prompted me to decide that I was going to read the Bible. And, you know, I didn't really know anybody who had actually read it before. And we certainly didn't talk about it. And I uh, grew up in and still um, now I'm back and live back in a university town. So love my hometown, um, but it's very liberal, very progressive, you know, and I was cut from that cloth. So I really wanted to read the Bible to find out what it, does it really say that, you know, and what's all the big deal about, basically. <laughs> and so, um, again, there were a number of things that put me to that point where I even wanted to do that. It was a little bit crazy. Um, and really, my goal in it was I'm going to be able to pat myself on the back and say, hey, you know, you you've read the Bible, you know, good for you. And there was um, some other things happening uh, through which God answered a prayer of mine, a, really the first prayer I ever prayed that was sincere in my life, that wasn't just recited or pressured out of me. And he answered it. And so I had continued praying then because it was quite remarkable. And so I would pray every, I bought this Bible. I didn't even know there were Christian bookstores. Um, I went to a regular bookstore at the mall and I bought a, a Bible called um, my daily walk Bible. And they still publish those in different translations. And you can go, it basically went through just from Genesis to revelation. And you'd kind of read, it would have a little synopsis, very short little paragraph of, you know, what we're going to read today, then you'd read the text. And then the next day, it would pick you up where you left off and connect, you know, so it kind of kept you refreshed on what you were reading. And it was through a year. So I decided I'm going to read this, it's going to be my project. And one of the things I really did was pray. I was so I was so certain that people just read the Bible and, you know, bring their bias to it, which there is some truth to that. But I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want, I wanted to know what it really said. And I wanted to really understand it, if that was even possible. And I didn't want my own preferences or biases to get in the way. Okay. So one of the things is I would pray and journal before I would read 
would be like, you know, Lord, help me not to be biased about what I read. Help me to understand if there is anything really to this book, then please show me that. Okay. That was a regular prayer. So I started in Genesis 1 um, and just started reading along, following the plan, you know. And because of some other things that were happening, I was um, prompted by a friend to read, um, what'd she say? You should read Galatians and Romans sometime. I'm like, I didn't even know what those were, you know, but I was getting familiar with the anatomy of my Bible. And so um, January, February, um, March, oh, I should add too, because God is just amazing. You know, you get things you don't even know you need <laughs> or, or, or want at the time. But I really didn't believe it was God's word when I started. Um, and somewhere around first or second Kings, I can look back now and tell by, by the way that I was writing and by the way that I was thinking about it, that I had changed my mind somewhere. And God was really affecting me through his word. And so I, plugging along, you know, I'm in the Old Testament. And then this friend says, you know, you should read Romans and Galatians. And so I did, I still did my Old Testament reading according to the book, the schedule in the morning. And then I read just those two letters at night. It took over the course of about a week. And I remember distinctly sitting in my, you know, my little spot <laughs> in my room, reading Galatians. And the, the big picture that I had been getting over January, February, March was, wow, God is holy. He is more than what I thought. And he's not, you know, cosmic Santa or whatever. Like God really was giving me a picture of his holiness. And by his spirit, I believed it, you know, and I was seeing it. And that was not making me chafe anymore. Um, he was also showing me my sinfulness, my um, selfishness. And this was not like one, you know, oh, moment. Like these were over the course of reading um, these truths emerging that God is holy. And oh, wow, Jean, you thought all this time you're a good person. Honestly, everything you do is for you. Even the things that you do for other people, you have some kind of ulterior motive. You might be a good person compared to 95% of, you know, humanity or whatever, but God is holy, you know, so I was beginning to see that. Um, and it still wasn't troubled, though. I was not troubled like, oh, my Lord, what do I do? You know, I'm going to hell. But God is just so tender sometimes when he, when he teaches and he draws us. Um, but there was obviously a problem there. I just wasn't aware of it yet. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I remember, you know, reading Galatians. And um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21 the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, I'm not one of those who treats Christ's death as meaningless. Well, that sentence right there caused me to pause because I was like, well, I sort of am. Like, I don't know what it means. I, you know, just kept reading. He says, I am not one of those who treats Christ's death as meaningless. For if we could be saved by keeping the law, 
then there was no need for Christ to die. Period. And right there, that sentence just made me pause and begin to consider what it said. Having grown up in the tradition that I did, you know, this was not news to me that Jesus died and all that. I hadn't got to the Gospels yet, but I, I knew the basic stuff. And here it was saying um, there was no need for Christ to die. Okay, well, he did. So according to this text, it must have been necessary. And, you know, that verse says, if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there wouldn't, it wouldn't be necessary. So I was like, oh, it must... Um, we must not be able to save ourselves by keeping the law, which as an unbeliever being drawn, obviously, but I was, had just been reading about, I was immersed in the old Testament, you know? And um, I, right then I realized, Oh my word, I really believe my jaw probably physically dropped. My eyes opened and I realized that, oh my word, that should have been me on the cross. Me who has basically given you the finger for 26 years, God, you know, by the way that I've related to you or ignored you. And, um, and you're holy. Like, who do I think I, who have I thought I am that I would just be okay waltzing into heaven? Like, I'm just so great. Like, Talk about self-righteousness, right? As an unbeliever, I thought all those Christians were self-righteous. And I was realizing then, oh, my word, I'm so self-righteous. God help me. And I just saw it right there. Jesus died as our substitute, you know, uh, to reconcile us with God. And it really happened. Like, God used that Galatians verse to kind of bring it all together. And I after I picked my job off the floor, you know, <laughs> one of the first things I thought was, gosh, this is amazing. This is so awesome. Why didn't anybody just tell me this? You know? <laughs> so that was, um, my life did a 180. I walked into my job that afternoon, having left 24 hours earlier from that same job. And all I really thought at the time was at that time, I thought, this is great. Oh my word. I'm so this is just amazing. I'm so thankful to understand my faith and understand the, the, you know, Christ's life and death and resurrection and what it has to do with me and why it's relevant to my life. And I was so thrilled with that. And when I got to my job, I, you know, was talking to my coworkers and stuff and hearing them use the Lord's name in vain. I mean, badly with other profanity and stuff. And I didn't judge them like, oh, you're a sinner now and I'm not. I, my heart sunk. My ears burned. I mean, I was so aware of, I, I, it was very stark to me to realize 24 hours ago, I left here and I didn't even notice that. And I was like that. And now it's making me just cringe and hang my head in sadness over, you know, uh, how we are as humans and how I was. And it really just brought home more the starkness of what God had done. You know, of course, I didn't understand it fully. I hadn't read that far yet. You know, I didn't know the Holy Spirit moves in, your new creation, you know, all that stuff. 
but I was like, <laughs> it was a very, very different gene that went to work that afternoon that had left work the day before. Wow, that is really amazing and encouraging story, Jean. Um, I'm just really struck how the Word of God is so powerful um, in bringing us to the Lord. You know, our episode is about singleness, and I know that you did not set out to be single or to stay single. Um, Was there a time that you really began to struggle with being single still? Well, yes. Um, as a as a non-believer growing up, or young adulthood, I honestly didn't want to be married because all the marriages really that I saw around me were just ended, you know, or I just didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. see a purpose. Like, it just didn't seem like it was of any benefit. I, yes, I did not want to be married because I didn't think it was important. And I wasn't very encouraged by the marriages that I saw. Okay. However, I did want and always thought I would, of course, have a long-term relationship. You know, I would meet someone. We would just, we would live together. I mean, I I always expected to be in a long-term relationship. Um, And then when I became, when God saved me, you know, I rethinking everything. (laughs) And I honestly, then I saw marriage is, is valuable. Um, before I was skeptical about it, but now, you know, my understanding had grown of why marriage is important and it's God's idea. And yes, I wanted to be married then. So, and I was 26. Okay. When I, when I was saved, so I'm in my late twenties, early thirties. And I remember, um, I got into a church right away. I mean, I started attending, attending my church about a month after that incident of reading Galatians and, you know, and um uh was you know found the church and and everything and and was very faithful in it and i remember being that new believer new to the church in my late 20s and there were a few we were a little church back then and there were a very few older single women and by older back then i you know i'm talking like they were in their late 30s and you know maybe 10 years older than me or whatever and I remember thinking, well, that will never be me. I would consider these couple gals, not many. And I would think, well, that will never be me. I'll find someone by then, you know. And really, I just kept pursuing God. I mean, um, the Lord, his word. I mean, I was just a voracious consumer of it. And it filled my thoughts. It filled my activities, my days, my weeks, you know, everything. And I just grew in my relationship with the Lord. Um, then my thirties came and went, and then in my forties, I remember literally like looking around the church one day, a growing church with more people and just thinking, gasp, I am now that older single woman that I thought I would never be, you know? (laughs) And, um, that's when the, that's when I really began to struggle with um, some of more of the longings, like, well, what's wrong with me? And what's the deal? What's, you know, various questions that, that you could have um, as you get older and really nobody's on the horizon. 
that you would marry. So you and I've talked a lot, Jean. So I know the Lord's really worked in your life and that you have struggled through some of these things. And it's, I don't know if process is the, is the right word, but what are some things that you've learned and maybe even how the Lord has worked in your life, maybe to accept that this is where he has you right now? I mean, I, I think of the passage to be content in whatever circumstance that we're in, and that's easy to do when life is is going all great and wonderful. And I know very personally that sometimes it's really hard. I mean, I'm, I'm married and have a wonderful husband and kids, but I deal with health problems and and other things, and and that can be hard. So what? how's the Lord worked in your life and especially in learning to be content? Um, well, I think there are some really hard things. Like when I've been asked, like, what is the hardest thing about being single? Um, and it's, this isn't a blanket answer. Obviously I can't speak for all singles, but for me, it's always kind of dialed down to this one, this one struggle. And this, this sounds, when I say it, it sounds really uh, kind of self-serving, um, but I, tell me if you understand or, or not what, what I'm saying. The hardest thing in summary about it is not being anybody's number one. Does that, does that resonate? Yeah, that yeah. makes perfect. That actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. So like everybody has, well, we talk about sometimes like, oh, he's your person or she's your person, you know, like, um, (laughs) my cat has a person and it's me and I'm definitely my cat's person. (laughs) But, um, the whole thing about, you know, yeah, nobody who needs me, you know, that type of thing, um, that has been probably the most difficult thing. Like who, who needs me, who cares about my day to day or who is caring about my day-to-day, you know, the day-to-day mundane, mundane stuff. I'm not saying nobody cares about me or that I'm not loved. I think that's important <laughs> to, to denote that. Um, but those would be the kinds of questions, like when I would get really down, it would be because I was wondering, you know, Lord, is there anybody out there that for whom I am their number one and who is fitting to be my number one, quote unquote. And um, that was, that's one thing. That's, in order to answer, like, what have I learned? I feel like maybe I should go through a few of these difficult issues, you know, like in my, in my processing of the single life. Um, and maybe these things speak more to like your, your question, Angela, about was there a time when I struggled? Well, yeah. But here are the exact struggles. Okay, here's how. Here's what they were. Um, another thing, that's the biggie. Another thing is that I went through a season um, in like maybe about 10 years ago, so relatively recent history, where I really recognized some things in my life that needed to change. It needed, I needed God to change me. And I needed some accountability. And 
living alone, I mean, just like on my own, I began feeling kind of gypped, you know, because I was like, Lord, how am I to be sanctified? Or like, I would be sanctified so much better if I had a husband who was in my life day by day, you know, hour by hour through everything. Because you naturally, you know, people, we, sh- we sharpen each other. You know, nobody was there to confront me when I was, you know, uh, or even point out to me sinful tendencies, you know, or whatever, because nobody, it's not that nobody did, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody's in your face, in your life with you. Yeah. Well, I think of when you're, when you're married there, my husband sees me at my worst Mm -hmm. in a way that even my closest friends don't, because I I can't go and hide and say, I'm going to go home now when I'm in a bad mood. (laughs) He is, he is my home. And so I know that it is. In fact, I, I've often said that I saw some of my sin struggles even more um, because of my marriage, because of being a mom. Yeah. Like I didn't think of myself as a person that wasn't patient until I had children. Wow, I'm really not very patient. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, and that, that's the way I was feeling, like as if God, you know, like God bring me somebody so you can use them to, you know, step up my sanctification or, or whatever. And I was just feeling deprived for a while. This was a season of life um, because nobody was doing life with me except in snippets. And I don't know that that lasted. It was, it was several years. And when I say, you know, I've never been the mopey single. Um, I do live life. You know, I, I do a lot of things. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of social circles. I mean, I am not lacking people to spend time with or things to do or anything like that. But it was just this, a deeper, you know, kind of, um, I, I kind of termed it aloneness, you know, not loneliness, but aloneness. Have you ever heard that term? No, I'm, I'm not sure that I have heard that. I, I've used it a lot and I don't know, I'm sh- I don't think I invented it or anything, <laughs> but aloneness is different than loneliness to me. Um, and so those are some of the struggles, like, you know, I'm nobody's number one. There's nobody to be my number one. And God's jipping me out of sanctification and accountability, like on a regular basis in a, on a deep level. Um, but you know, God is gracious and good. And through time, um, you know, it was just a season. Um, I, and so how have I, how have I dealt with it? What have I learned about the single life and being single? Some of it speaks to these two very specific, um, issues that I had because I don't, think about these things anymore. Every once in a while, I might feel a little sadness at, you know, for a brief moment, like, who's my number one, you know, the whole number one thing. But it's really, really, um, it's diminished a lot. And 
one of the things that has helped me <clears throat> is, you know, by believing that, like, I, I almost felt like I was um, thinking, God, you're holding out on me, you know, like, I'm really struggling. And I know what I need, and you're not giving it to me, you know, how we we've all said that, I'm sure or felt that or thought that over different things at different times in our Christian walks. But really coming to realize that this is not God's plan B for my life. Um, do we believe that God is good? I mean, or do, I mean, do we really believe that? And that is good and that he is good to us? Or do we just nod and smile at that? And, um, so really understanding more, just growing, just staying in the word, staying part of my local church. Um, I've been in that same church my whole Christian life. So, <laughs> um, it's been invaluable to me and just staying committed, even when things were difficult there, you know, I mean, just being part of that community and, um, with good teaching, you know, gospel teaching, growing, asking questions, just uh, what does the, the verse say about um, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Mm. You know, like that may not seem to the very, the single person who's very discontented in the discontented season, like that might seem like just a pat answer, you know, or, a flippant answer, or whatever, but but it isn't. It's it's God's word, and it really it, not only single people need this. This is our this is what we all should do, but it's true. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I love Matthew six thirty three, where Jesus said, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." Now He was talking about you know, clothing and food and, you know, we don't have to worry about our daily provisions. Um, but that beginning, like seek first God's reign, God's kingdom and his righteousness. And it's really just living a life that's focused um, in community with the local church on growing and knowing God and asking him for patience <laughs> with all the emotions and the feelings and stuff um, that you're not enjoying very much in that season uh, because he will, it's, it's not going to be forever. I guess that's, that's the other thing. What have I learned about from being single about being single? It's not, it's not God's plan B for me. It is, his, it's his best. It's not forever. And it's also not unbearable. It, it may seem like it at times, but in Christ, in our, in our unity with who we, in, with our unity in Christ and who we are in him, it isn't unbearable. I mean, we have really just got to dial into who we are in him and um, what our future holds, what we can know of it with him, in him. And realize that this is not all there is. It's not the worst thing in the world if you don't get married. And, you know, these were not, 
those, these types of, I'm preaching to myself, like these were the truths that were coming to me over um, different, at different times in my Christian life. And uh, it wasn't like, oh, here's a bullet point that God just sent me through his Holy Spirit in his word, you know, like, boom, there it is. Oh, just believe it. Okay, I'm fine now. You know, no, these are things I had to, you know, read and study and they would come up in sermons, they would come up in um, discussions with other believers, you know, just as I'm, just as I'm doing my life, like normal. And I would have to chew on them and talk to him about those things and listen more carefully and read more, you know, and, but he just builds those scriptural truths into your life until they are true for, they are true. They're not just true for you, but they're true. And so that's how you go forward. Um, and right now I'm in a season where I can't even imagine being married. Okay. <laughs> I just, you know, that it, it, it could happen one day, but it is, it is like the furthest thing from my mind right now. So that's my season that I'm in right now. It may not always be that way, but. Well, Jean, you know, you're talking about how, um, you know, you've learned that it's, it's not forever and singleness is not unbearable. Um, but you know, I think we could talk about there are some wonderful things about being single. Um, you want to tell us some of the positive things that you see about being single? Um, I can tell you some of the things I like about being single. And these may or may not be positives for everybody, you know. Um, but it's also helped, you know, like there are blessings and trials in both singleness and marriage. So when I say these are things that I like about being single, it doesn't mean I'm elevating them, you know, like, oh, I bet all married people wish they could do this. You know, I don't, I don't think that way. <laughs> but um, I am uh, an introvert, believe it or not, as much as I am out there and in the community and talking with people and teaching and doing all kinds of things. Um, and we have the gift of gab, you know, and all that really I'm an introvert. And so meaning the way I understand it anyway, is that I am energized and kind of strengthened in my time alone. So you know, not being married, I get that almost anytime I want, you know? <laughs> and so um, if I feel like, the pressure is rising, you know, in my life and okay, okay, okay. I'm going to need to take, you know, a longer morning time with the Lord today and, you know, maybe skip some of my other morning activities or whatever. And I just need it. I'm going to need a good two or three hours with God before I start my day or sometimes longer, you know, if it's a weekend day or something like that, like I just need to not plan anything for this day because I'm feeling depleted and I just need to be home and um, where, you know, I love that because nobody is depending on me, you know, to take them anywhere or, you know, be their wife, tend to their needs, which are all good things. But you know what I mean? It's like, I do like the, the fact that I can um, have that alone time whenever I need it. Um, there is, <clears throat> there's freedom, um, obviously, involved that I enjoy. 
is the, as far as like having a little more freedom and not being attached um, is I recently had the opportunity, one of my very dearest friends who lives out of state um, invited me to accompany her and her daughter and a friend of her daughter's to Zion National Park and Grand Canyon National Park. So that invitation came up just about six weeks before they were planning to go. (laughs) So it was very impromptu, or very uh, impromptu, right? And um, as far as vacation planning goes, but I was so thrilled. Um, I love, I've never been to Zion. I love Grand Canyon. And I was an immediate yes. Like I was driving home from the grocery store when she called me, explained me the situation and invited me to join them. And I didn't have to ask anybody. I, I mean, other than work considerations, but you know, I knew what those were. Um, I didn't have to consult with anybody. I'm driving in the car and I was like, yes. And tears were coming down from my face. Like I was just crying because of, of how meaningful it was um, considering, you know, just the circumstances uh, of my life in the last year to be able to just get that invitation and that impetus Mm -hmm. to go, you know, and it was so great. (laughs) So, but you know what I mean? That's a good thing. um, about Mm -hmm. So, but, but by saying those things, like, being able to be alone whenever I want and the freedom to just take an impromptu trip whenever I want. That doesn't mean that I, I don't view married people as wishing they had those things. Like, you know what I'm saying? All the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and by the way, if anyone hears the kitty in the background, uh-huh. that is Jean's cat, Ruby. So I, I just heard her meowing. And so if you've missed, um, <laughs> if you've missed hearing from yogurt and, I forget Ashley's other. Isn't it mini? Like mini? Yeah, mini and yogurt. I think yeah. it's mini and yogurt. Yeah. So yeah. we have tonight on Theology Gals, we have Ruby. Um, <laughs> you know, as you were talking, Jean, I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 7 because before mm-hmm. I even started dating my husband um, and I'd been going through 1 Corinthians, this really, really stuck out to me. And um, starting at verse 32, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And there's more to it. I encourage people to go read the whole chapter. But mm-hmm. I remember before I I had um I had been in a serious relationship in Bible college and uh we were going to marry and, and um it didn't work out and it was very difficult for me. And I decided to just take some time off from from dating. And I remember just reading that passage and thinking, you know, I don't know when I'm gonna get married and I ended up married a year and a half later, but I don't know when I'm going to get married. And I really do want to devote my time now um, Mm -hmm. to the Lord because um, right now I I have undistracted devotion to the Lord because I'm not married. And so when you were talking, I was really thinking about that. And in our friendship, that's one thing I've thought about very often Mm -hmm. is the very things that you were talking about, Jean, that if you want to do a three hour time of studying and praying and 
and reading the Bible and whatnot, you you can do that. And not to compare, because yeah. I think we also know that the Lord says that marriage is good, right. but that is a very, th- that is something that is um, a, a very tangible difference, I think, when you're married versus when you're single. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, that the scripture in first Corinthians seven, what was, where does that start again? I'm s- well, the, the part that I read um, starts in verse 36. That's right. Okay. You'd think, you know, this is one of the single verses. I should know it by heart, right? <laughs> exactly where it is, but I don't. Um, I remember, you know, reading this first Corinthians seven, starting in verse 32. Um, you know, one who's unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. When you are in the being, when a single person is in throes of that deep longing of just wanting that person in their life and scared about maybe, you know, how much, you know, I can't bear this. How long is it going to be, Lord? Am I ever going to find anybody? Or are they ever going to find me? whatever. This is, I mean, this is honestly, I'm just being raw here. This is not encouraging. You know, like, but Lord, I don't, I want to be concerned about the things of the Lord and how I may please you with someone else. Like I want a partner in this, you know, does that make sense? Like I've read that I've read it that way before. You know, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to tell you from a married woman's perspective that I have thought so much about this through the years. And I don't know, Angela, if you would like to add to this. Um, I mean, I got married at 22 years old, just not long after my 20th birth, my 22nd birthday. And Angela got married even younger than I did. But it is something that I really do. I really have thought a lot about. I do think that you have... Um, an opportunity for a different sort of devotion to the Lord. And I really do think of it as mine is distracted. And I'm not saying that that's Mm. a bad thing because my husband is a a gift. And I really do think, and and I hope that this can be an encouragement to our single gals, but I remember so clearly thinking about that after I got married in comparison, even to a very specific friend of mine, at the time, who didn't get married for several more years. In fact, this friend of mine, um, she reminds me so much of you, Jean. And so I I remember just thinking that, just that there had been like a a switch, that some there was something different now. And, Mm. you know, when you were talking earlier, Jean, about, you know, having your person and, and um, and it goes both ways. Not only do I have someone who's my person, I am somebody's person, which means um, looking out for his daily needs. And then you right. bring children into that, and that's a whole other thing. And I'm at the point in life where my kids don't need me as much. But, um, you know, at the, I am not at that point. Yeah, I know, I know you aren't <laughs> at that point. But I remember when my kids were young, like your, like the ages that your kids are, Angela, thinking, wow, when I'm, when my kids are older, then I'm going to have more undistracted devotion to the Lord. Mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. and I, I do have more time where I can actually um, have an hour where nobody's bugging me, mommy, can I have a snack, mommy, or there's a fight or whatever that might be. 
I, I do have more of that now, but at the end of the day, I have Brent always. And so right. mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to add anything to that. I'm just trying to, I'm kind of fleshing this out a little bit because it, because I, it's interesting how Jean said how she read that and how I read that differently. No, I, I definitely agree um, that, you know, it's, it's something that um, it, it will never be able to be the same kind of priority for you and me um, as it is for a single lady. And um, that's okay. It's just different. Um, it's, um, it's just two different callings. That's all. Yeah. Um, so um, they, they are both, um, wonderful and um, excellent callings from the Lord, but just different and priorities end up being different. And um, there can be periods and seasons in married life where you do long for and wish that you could have just um, the kind of single-minded devotion um, to the Lord and His work that just is not possible when you're caring for a family. So I do, I, I really do hear what both of you are saying, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we totally agree. Um, it's, this is, you know, with the, we agree on the, what the passage says and everything. And I think we would agree that it's mm-hmm. good. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. Is a, yeah, yeah. this is an encouraging passage it's, that it's Paul just is writing. It's different how it, how it hits people in different stations. Exactly. Because, um, my response in the past, like when I was in the throes of loneliness, let's say just really longing to not be alone, I would read that and I know what it says and I know it's good, but it would be one of those things where an emotional response to God's word, (laughs) you know, where, well, God, I know that your word says this, but I want this, you know, like, you know what I mean? Just kind of a fleshly response initially. Um, I've experienced that at times, but the Lord, you know, is, is good and he's patient. He doesn't, he never chastised me for thinking such a thing, you know, (laughs) and I I would journal and pray very rawly, you know, things like that. I remember um, a bad time, a bad season of, you know, feeling very struggling with it a lot, you know, probably, like I said, I think it was around 10 years ago, probably, or so. And, you know, how in in Genesis, God makes the observation, and the text says, it is not good for man to be alone. Okay, very well-known verse, right? And there were, during that season, I would read that and just kind of, you know, be like, well, it must be okay. It must be good for me to be alone. You know, that would be my emotional response to what God was saying. Um, I'm not saying it's good. It's just, that's what happened. That's what was, <laughs> and he, but he, he's grown me through those things. You know, it's, it's, I think it's good and fine to be brutally honest with our father. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always benefited from that. Like I don't I'm I thankfully I don't think I've ever felt like I need to think or feel a certain way, you know, like just right. be honest with God. Um and well the psalmist often was. 
Oh gosh, exactly. Lord, why are you letting my enemies trample me? Huh? Yeah. And then and then the imprecatory psalms like the things that David prayed that would happen to them. Like that's raw. Man. Yeah. Yeah. If if anybody needs to needs to learn how to pray brutally honest, I think the Psalms are really well learning how to pray any in any fashion but mm. yeah i love the the brutal honesty of the psalms for sure <laughs> yeah when when okay sorry there there must be wind outside the dogs have to scare away okay. now why why can the cats be on the podcast in the background okay that's you- right i'll leave that in so yeah. everyone can know um, my mom's dog is barking at something and so my dog because we're staying at my parents house right now my dog had to run and um Help out. <laughs> um, <laughs> a no, probably wind, know who's boss. Right. And and in this house, um, so I- any space within the dog's vision is the dog's space. So uh-huh. it, is, um, it is wrong to invade that space. That, that <laughs> the neighbors that live across the street, a car driving, you know, down the street. It's all the dog's space. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I've talked to a lot of single gals uh, in the group that are struggling, and I, I really am hoping that they will be encouraged by this. And I'm wondering for you, Jean, um, you kind of already talked about, um, you know, being alone and and that not always being loneliness, but I, I know that sometimes you're probably lonely also, and mm-hmm. whether it be the just aloneness or loneliness, uh, you know, or any of the struggles that would kind of fit into that category, what are ways that you've been encouraged and maybe could encourage other singles that are struggling with that? I think some key truths for me, and I, I have to think of these things often and, and pray often these things, but they really um, do speak to the, you know, the raw hard things that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, and that is when I feel like, you know, gosh, does anybody know that I'm here? Does anybody care about the details of my life? There is nobody that cares about the details of my life. Um, I'm nobody's person. I really immediately by God's grace and his spirit moving me to do so am able to stop and say, wait a minute, I'm God's person. You bought me. And you, are, you God, are paying attention to the details of my life. You see me all the time, 24-7. How can I dare say that no one is, quote-unquote, doing life with me? <laughs> you know, when I belong to you know, God almighty on purpose, you know? And I mean, I don't know when I started this, but I began signing all my correspondence, emails and everything. Um, Capital letters, H-I-S, his, his comma, Gene. Because, so every, you know, I write a lot of email in a day. And that is a constant reminder to me it almost preaches the gospel to me, <laughs> you know, mm. in a very small way. Just that sign off is always true. That is one thing 
that is always true of me and every other believer that we are his. And honestly, that really has been one of the things that has, has helped me the most. What I, okay, so there's not a person coming over or living here or, you know, but I'm in God's sight, you know, all the time. And he sees everything that goes on with me. Um, that has, that's been the most helpful when I'm feeling lonely and, or super alone to where the point, to the point where like, it's painful, you know, and I just want it to stop. Like, I don't want to feel this way right now. Um, he helps, God helps in at least in that way, which is a lot. Well, Jean, um, talking about, you know, that you've, you've mentioned community and, um, you know, that longing for someone to be uh, your person, that sort of thing, and working through those things. And finally, you're, you're talking just now about being his. And um, that's an amazing part of being part of the body that we all share. Um, I wonder if you can give us some ideas for the rest of the body, those of us who are married, how we can better minister to singles. Um, one of the things I really... Well, first of all, (laughs) let me say this. I don't think singles ministries are necessarily the way to go. Um, I think that single people in the church need to meet each other and just know, like, just for, we need to have Christian friends who we can do things with and spend time with. Um, And sometimes like as a single person, okay, I'm, I'm in a community group. That's our little like weekly, they're called different things at different churches. We call them community groups. Um, you know, my weekly people that I get together with, and we've been together for years and we've had people come and go. And for years and years and years though, it was like four or five young married couples and me. I was not only much older, like by 20 years of all of them, 20 years older, but I was also the only single one. So, mm. but I, you know, I was like, no, these are my, they're friends. We're growing, like give it some time. Mm. And I think that now our group is more mixed, you know, cause I live in a very transient community. It's big university here. You know, people are coming and going all the time. They're moving here for a few years to do their residency and then they leave, or they're coming for this and then they leave and blah, 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 blah. So, Hence, our church is the same way, just because that's what our community is like. And this group, you know, so we've had people come and go over the years. And uh, now it's a little more even, you know, we've got more singles. And but I mean, we've been together eight years. And I was always not only the oldest, but the only single. But it was just like, you know what? It's okay. It's good for me to be with people that are not in my stage of life. I'm a big proponent of single people and married people intermingling, you know, <laughs> and spending time together and not always um, separating, you know, like, well, this is the Sunday school class for the young marrieds, or this is, you know, like, let's have a Sunday school class based on a book of the Bible and have anybody that wants to come to it, come to it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
I'm kind of I'm kind of a hardcore person about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that no, definitely. I mean, it, it is good for the church to realize that different people in different stages and um, kinds of lives have different things to offer, but have mm-hmm. things to offer. Exactly. Exactly. Now I will say what I started to say was, I think it is good for like, as a single person, it's difficult for me sometimes to find people to do things with. Okay. Um, People that are my age and maybe can afford the trip to California, you know, for a vacation are married and they can't just go like as we were talking earlier and they shouldn't like they have other people that they are responsible for and with that they need to consider. Right. So, but yet, but the single people who have the freedom are much younger than me and usually aren't in a space financially to be able to just plan a vacation for two weeks and go off. You know what I mean? So I think single people need to be able to find each other in the church and that's, you know, very just for, for fellowship and friendship and, you know, things, sharing interests and things. I mean, we need that. You need people that you can find to do things with in life. Um, and d- does that make sense? Yes, yes definitely. Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> but what can the church do to better minister to singles is I would say not segregate married and singles intentionally Mm. intentionally now sometimes they do it themselves you know we've got you know just sometimes singles don't want to be with married people you know i just want a group that's all singles well okay (laughs) you're gonna miss out on some stuff (laughs) but you know what i'm saying but i just I, i feel like that would be one way that the church can better minister is not um not intentionally segregate people by married mm. people, I guess. Yeah. Also, how can, I'm going to switch, flip that a little bit and say, how can singles better minister to the church rather than saying, and I don't want to go there and I don't want to go to the place that says like, well, cause you're single, you should be serving, you know, every time the doors are open. And of course not, you know, we, everyone who is part of a local body should be, you know, as the Lord allows and seasons of life and needs of the church and things, you know, you participate and you serve and you do things. Um, It's different for different people at different seasons. So I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, I think one misconception is that single people have all this free time and why aren't they, let's just get Mm. the singles to do it, you know? And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's really right either, but single people be willing to be um be out there you know like get involved with with things try something once single people just be willing to get involved be willing to um don't pre-qualify people just because they're married that they have nothing to offer you or that they couldn't be your friends, you know, get involved in some things at church where you are, it, it doesn't even have to be service, even if just there's like a fellowship meal or something, you know, go sit at a different table. Don't get, let's go sit at the table with all the single people. Go sit with a family and get to know them. Like just 
be willing for God to do something maybe that you unexpected, you know, and love your brothers and sisters in the church. So I'm, I'm just looking at that question as both ways, as the single people not just being, oh, we're the needy recipients that the church needs to minister to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it really goes both ways. We all, I think we all just need to be willing to um, be with each other, regardless of our married or single, you know, stage of life. So that's my take. Um, well, and, and I would like to actually say even to um, people that are not single um, is have single people over, have relationships with mm-hmm. the singles in your, in your church. One of the things that uh, uh, a church that, that we were at several years ago that had a, um, had a, uh, what is that? The, the name just escaped me, but we had so that if people visited our, our hospitality rotation, that's oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. and, and we had a talk with, um, and I think part of it is one of, one of the gals got married later in, in life, one of the gals in the hospitality rotation. And we had a talk one time and we decided that, um, you know what, let's not just invite over, let's not just invite over visitors, but let's always invite over the single people too, because we knew that some of them, you know, had a hard time going home Sunday afternoon between the services mm-hmm. and not, um, you know, just being alone Sunday afternoon between services. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, uh, and one uh, one of the guys he he would accept every single invitation. He loved it, and one of the guys would accept some and not not all. And um, and we we had a few few other people too. And you know, I that's it's um something that I look back on very fondly, um, because. I got to get to know some people that I might not have mm-hmm. otherwise. And, and it was, uh, I think it was very helpful, but I think finding ways, I, I think it's natural for us to have kind of clicks with people in similar stages of life. Oh, I sure. think that that's yeah. not, that's natural. And so I think in the church, it's so good. I, I love that your community group is, you know, different sorts of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an encouragement I would give to married people is get to know the single people, not just because they're single, but because they're your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right. Amen. I, yeah. So Jean, just wrapping up, is there, is there anything that maybe you could offer to, as an encouragement to anyone that's listening right now, that's single and struggling right now, they, they want to be married and, you know, they're wondering is maybe I'm never going to get married. Maybe I'll always be single or they're just, they're just struggling with being single. Is there anything you could encourage them with? And I did want to just also, so I don't forget to say that you've given us a couple resources um, that we're going to be putting in the episode notes that have been an encouragement to you. So if you are single, check those out too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So encouragement. It is striking to me to realize, and this is actually something I wanted to ask you ladies about since you are married, but the scriptures are pretty clear that we will not be married in the, in the kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. 
Okay, the coming mm-hmm. kingdom. So, yes, I mean, this is an encouragement to me. What This is how I think about that. Marriage was God's idea. It is God's idea. Hence, it is, it is what he wants it to be. It is, you know, it is good. It's not to diss marriage in any way. Obviously. <laughs> he invented it. Okay. But for some reason, that is not going to be part of our lives when he consummates the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's not the end state. Marriage and, is, and single, yeah, it's not the end state. And someone that I, uh, I heard someone put it this way once, that, oh, that yeah, marriage is temporary. And in the kingdom, in the consummated kingdom, it will finally give way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along, which is namely Ephesians 5. Christ and the church where that's, that will be all of our relationship. Like we will be in relationship with the church and Christ, Christ and his bride. No. So that is really, um, that also just speaks to like what I said earlier, this is not forever and it's okay. This state of life, if it, if, if I never get married, it's Okay. Like, if I do, that'll be great, too. You know, I just, um, it's trusting God's outcome for our life here. And I mean, really trusting God's outcome, that it is good. That, you know, I have his best today. His best is not waiting for me around the corner when he brings a man into my life who I want to marry or something. Um, and the glorious future that we have that is not going to include marriage because what it was pointing to is we're in it. We'll be living it in real, like, we won't be seeing through a glass darkly, you know, like we'll be, our faith will become sight. Like that's just mind blowing to me. So that's probably one of the biggest things that has helped me, um, probably one of the reasons like like meditating on that and and some of the other things I've shared over the years over the years has put me in a place right now where I couldn't even imagine being married right now (laughs) but I don't hate it I'm not opposed to it I just couldn't imagine it like it's just not even on my radar so soli deo gloria (laughs) well do I think maybe that's even our sanctification in Mm -hmm. learning to be content, whatever situation that we're in. Mm. Um, I, I don't like being sick and having health issues, but, and, and that's not the same thing as being single at all, but it's something that I, but this is where the Lord has me. And he has a a type of suffering. It is a type of suffering. It's a different type of suffering than being alone. And, you know, but it still is. Well, that's that's interesting. That could be a whole conversation right there. It's interesting that you that yeah. you say that. Um, but I I think at the at the end of the day, for if you are somebody that's that's single and thinking I really want to be married, and guess what? Maybe you will be. You know, my 
I'll tell you what, my, my husband is older than I am, um, six years older than, so it's not a, a huge amount, but it is older. And uh, he was starting to wonder, maybe I'm not going to be married. And, uh, you know, and thinking about that, he was only 28, but um, he still considered it because all of his friends were were getting married. And, and he decided, you know, if that's what the Lord has for me, then that's what the Lord has for me. Mm-hmm. And and then I came along and he got married. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but I think I think really re- regardless of who you are and what your life circumstances are, that um, I mean we are told to be content in whatever circumstance, and we know God is sovereign. And I did want to just say one other thing, just because I I know that we do have gals that are single and struggle with that, and I think this is this is just an important thing that I wanted to say. Um, do not think that getting married is going to solve all your problems either. Um, I, I, I talk to women who are very unhappy in marriage too. And it, I just want to make sure that that is, that is clear um, because we, marriage should not be portrayed. And I've talked to people who they hadn't really thought through it, but they had thought in their minds, once I get married, all will be well you know, and then they got married and went, oh, now I have a whole new list of struggles in life. And marriage is a wonderful thing. I can't even say that enough, but I just don't want um, to portray like marriage in that way. Like all of a sudden, everything is fine and dandy and life is perfect Mm -hmm. now because there's all different sorts of marriages. Some people have, um, you know, much easier marriages than other people. Um, but mm, some people do have yeah. marriages that are are quite difficult. So, mm-hmm. and, and marriage isn't a cure for a um, a less than sort of state. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, um, it's not the remedy for a problem. It's just a different calling than singleness, um, and they are both worthy and. Um, high callings from the Lord, depending on which calling he has for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, marriage is not sort of the fix for a brokenness like, oh, I'm single and there's something wrong with me. There's not something wrong with you if your calling from the Lord is to be single. Right. Don't, don't you think a lot of this com- has, like, comes back to our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ? Oh, yes. Married or single. Because like you just said, it's not a lesser life. Like, okay, am I in Christ? Or I am in Christ. Mm. Do I? I mean, let's logically think this through. Oh, but my life now in Christ is lesser than it mm-hmm. will be when I'm married. Like, mm. what, what kind of sense does that make? You know, I don't Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Like, we really, I think that's really the key is just growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness um, and, uh, knowing who we are in him and what he has done. And that is a lifelong blossoming, you know, process of sanctification. And it's just, it's just wonderful. Amen. Yeah. yeah amen. That's a, that's a great, um, note to end on. Jean, thank you so much. I really appreciate that you were so transparent and, and mm-hmm. willing to share, because uh, you really just, you, I've talked to you so many different times about this, and and yet I learned some things tonight, and um, I'm just, I'm thankful that you would 
uh, come on and be willing to share. Absolutely. I agree. And I want to add, um, Jean, I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom um, with us. You are um, a lady who I know that I would count as a very wise woman in the faith. And, um, you know, marriage doesn't automatically make us wise in the faith. Uh, you you have lots and lots to offer um, uh, and are a vibrant part of the body. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Well, thank you for having me on. And Colleen, when I hear that, like, oh, you're very wise. I just have, I like, I'm like, Lord, when did that happen? When did I become wise? <laughs> what? <laughs> really? <laughs> so, but thank you. It's been fun. Well, thank, um, just to our audience, um, we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us.